Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, the National NBA writer for the Washington Post, and I'm very happy to be joined tonight by my good friend, Dan Wojcicki, the excellent Clippers beat writer for the Orange County Register, and who I'm going to have dinner with in about an hour here in San Antonio after he just landed. So, Dan, how are you? I'm great. I'm coming off of a very easy flight from L.A. to San Antonio. Um, I had an amazing seat I had. So... Uh, on some like American regional jets, there's one first class seat on the left and two on the right. And if you if you time it just right, you get the perfect seat. And if you sit right behind the first class seat on the left to the window, the guy to your right can't put his bags under anything. And you get this giant first class seat, which is like all yours for like your leg room and like all your belongings. Like, honestly, like you could fit like a medium sized big baby kangaroo in the pouch. Like it's a giant pouch of a seat, and because there's no hard wall, because it's a regional jet, it's, it's a great seat. I'm in a, such a good mood because of it. See, as I've told people on this podcast before, we are going to have lots of travel talk because people who cover the NBA talk about two things: they talk about the NBA and they talk about traveling around covering the NBA, and that's pretty much all we talk about. <laughs> that and food. Um, speaking of food, you are yeah. you are the biggest. Uh, you're the biggest Chipotle eater that I know, maybe outside of our mutual friend Zach Harper. So how are you holding up during this whole uh, Chipotle E. coli uh, debacle? <sighs> um, I'm okay. I'm not great. I wanted to have it today for lunch, and I didn't have the courage to eat it because I was afraid that I would get E. coli before my flight. So, um, you know, I'm making do... I found out that, like, turns out making your own burrito bowl, not as hard as you'd think. Um, if you just, you know, make some rice, some beans, and some meat. And so I I've, I don't want to say, like, I've started my own Chipotle at my house, but I'm efforting. I'm moving in that direction. So Chipotle might lose their biggest, uh, might lose their no, biggest I'm client. No, I'm out. I'm just, I'm just waiting. It is really what it is. I will say, like, I told Zach this. Like, if I had nothing to do today, I would have gone. <laughs> like, I would have I just rolled the dice on the E. coli if I wasn't going anywhere. But, uh, you know, since I had things I had to do, you can't, you can't be walking around with a coli, Tim. That's not good for you. No, it's not good. Not good, especially when you're coming to uh, to San Antonio and Houston. Now, is this the, is this the yeah. whole road trip? Is it a quick in and out, two games here and then back to back to Los Angeles? Yeah, it's just two and then they're back. But then, like, they're, they're December is kind of a road trip. You know, it's, it's like one of the, those little quirks. And I'm sure we'll talk about this because I have a theory as about kind of the Clippers kind of early season struggles that relates to this. All right, well, let's um, jump into it. What? So to set it up quickly. Okay, so my big theory, and, and here, and my big theory is this, and I'm sure you, you have a similar thought. You covered, you used to cover a team that was on the East Coast. The Brooklyn Nets, and, for people who don't know. Yes. And your trips can be very short there, Right. You might be just like early in the season. You might be playing at the Garden. Maybe they're going, you know, just to Philadelphia or to, like there are these little tiny little road trips. Well, the, I don't think the season really. It never really feels like it really starts to like you go somewhere. And what I mean by that is that you got to be gone for like a week or two um, until it really feels like the season starts. Otherwise, it just feels kind of like an extension of the preseason. Like I, I remember that was like how it went with the Clippers last year. They had like I don't think they left the state of California in November. And the team was kind of sleepy and lackadaisical. And, you know, people were wondering, what's the matter with this team? Why haven't they gotten together? Why are they off to such a slow start? And they went on an East Coast road trip. And now last year, part of it helped because 
the East wasn't as good, you know, but they won some games and then it was kind of like, okay, they're in the season. They're in the rhythm of the season. Uh, that didn't really happen for me with the Clippers until like last week. I think last week was the first time they played three straight road games this year. Right, which is crazy. And they had a crazy trip where they were gone for – because they played, what, five or six games on this road trip, and then they turned around and went home for one game and then came back here for two, which is pretty pretty strange. Yeah, and then they and then they go home for two and go back out for five more. So it, it, it's, it, it, it's a weird schedule, but I think ultimately, honestly, it's the kind of thing that this team needs. I mean, they need to be in the grind of a season because – I, I, I don't know. I and you see this sometimes with contenders and with, with playoff teams, teams where it's kind of like fait accompli that they're going to be in the playoffs. But they don't approach the regular season with the same intensity. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's part of the reason why the Warriors um, have somehow figured out a way to be, you know, to use like any like piece of information spoken about them or anything like that as as a way to like stay up throughout the season. Like the Clippers haven't done that, and it, it, you just gotta kind of, I don't know, like kind of fight through it, especially early. It's, it, you don't want to say it's like the dog days of the season, but it's sort of like starting in mud, I think, for a team like the Clippers. Like they want to get right back to the playoffs, and it's like it's such a letdown when you when you look at the schedule and you see you're six months away from it. Well, we've talked about this before in the past, with, especially with the Clippers. Like when you when you are a, a, a veteran NBA team, and you're you're a team like the Clippers that has designs on being a team that's you know competing for a championship. Um, sure. It, it when you get into the playoffs year after year after year, it is hard to get up for games in November and December and January. It just until the All Star break, it's kind of hard for everybody to get going. And to me, you know, I know we're in San Antonio. That's the remarkable thing about the Spurs team is that they are just this unbelievable monotonous machine that just every year comes out and wins fifty five or sixty or sixty five games and just does it without you know even a thought whereas these other teams are you know almost every other team in the league has some kind of a you know ups and downs and injuries and and inconsistency and they just are always they're always this machine but i wanted to why why do you why do you really quickly why do you think that is i I mean i think for me it's like is there a team that better like in a better relationship with like their system and like the spurs way you know what i mean like they're 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 so interchangeable like they sit guys, it doesn't matter. Guys get hurt, it doesn't matter. Guys aren't making shots, it doesn't matter. And it's right. It's reliance on system and, and coaching, right? Yeah, I, I, even less than a system. You know, and I, I've been down here for a week. I'm working on a couple big stories about these guys. In addition to catching uh, your team and a couple other teams that came in, including the Wizards last night. Um, by the way, recording this on Thursday night ahead of uh, Friday's game between the the Spurs and Clippers, mm-hmm. the uh, the rematch of the first game between these two since last year's playoff series, right? Yeah, this trip is they get both teams they play in the playoffs. That's right. Time. That's right. Okay. So um, my thing about the, the Spurs is that it, it all kind of starts with Popovich. And it's, it's, less that there's even, sure. it's less that there's even a system. I mean, there obviously is a system. But to me, it's more that when you're here in San Antonio, when you arrive, like there is give and take between him and the players on stuff. And he certainly you know bends to them on some things. But the, the, the overriding truth with this team is that when you show up, you have a certain level of expectation that you're supposed to meet, both on the court, off the court, in terms of how you work, how you act, how you fit in, and it's non-negotiable. The negotiable stuff is how we play and different things we do on the court and that kind of stuff, but there, there's a sure. level of expectation and, and, uh, and uh, uh, 
situation where you're, you're, you're expected to provide a certain level of uh, decorum and effort and uh, decency uh, all around that I think ca- carries through. And you don't, you don't see this team having any nonsense off the court. You don't see this team having any issues because between Popovich and Duncan and Tony Parker and Mono Ginobili and you know, now they've got Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge and David West. Like They just have this team of pros that just shows up every day and does their job without um, without questioning anything. And, and with that, let me trans, uh, transition into your team. Um, not, and, and I, don't I was going to say, sounds, sounds familiar. Yes, and I don't, I don't mean that necessarily as a rip on, on the Clippers. But look, I, coming into the season, right, there were supposed to be five elite teams in the West. There were the Warriors, the Spurs, the Thunder, the Clippers, and the Rockets. And we're going to leave the Rockets yes. out. They're a disaster. And, you know, you, you kind of look right now. We're six weeks into the regular season. And, and look, from my standpoint, and I think from the standpoint of most people, there are four teams that can realistically win a championship this year. The Warriors, the Spurs, the Thunder, and the Cavs. And that's it. I think most people mm-hmm. have said the Clippers can't do it. So... I think you think differently. I could be wrong, but from our past conversations, I think you do. So yeah. assuming you do, give me the case for why the Clippers are should not be counted out like most people already have. Well, I mean that I, I think because this is this is still a better, more talented team than they were a year ago. Um, and a year ago, they, there's no reason they shouldn't have been in the conference finals. There's just no. I mean, like it, it was just a, a perfect combination of a history of disappointment, a lack of depth, and just kind of the luck of the draw that kind of put them in that 14th game in two rounds where they just had zero left in their tank. And, I mean, you can use the word choke if you want. Um, I think it certainly applies to what happened in game six. I, I just thought they, they ran out of steam. To me, they looked like a team that was exhausted. And, you know, guys are carrying tremendous burdens because of the lack of depth. Now, their depth is improved, while it's not, I, I think they're still trying to figure out exactly what they have because there's some wild cards on that bench, you know, quite a few of them actually. And I think that there is a scenario where they figure it out. I, I mean, that scenario certainly exists in my mind. Um, we've seen it, you know, the, when they've played the Warriors twice, they've lost twice. They've also had double digit fourth quarter leads twice against them. I mean, they were a team that, is, that has been put that that took Golden State to the limit two times. No other team in the league has done that um, quite like that this year. So I don't know. That's not nothing. It certainly you need to beat them to be kind of in that conversation. But to me, they particularly in their first game at Golden State, they proved to me that they kind of belonged on that level. Just because you know that was you, you've covered Warrior games. There's those moments right where it's like they're up twenty and like they're up nineteen. They're about to be up forty. Oh you, yeah, you it's know, just a title like, wave. It's just a title wave. Yeah, and and somehow they kind of fought that off, and even more remarkably, flipped it. You know, and then sure, sure enough, there was like a little Curry like kind of explosion. Harrison Barnes got really hot and scored ten straight points. Um, and Harrison Barnes got over. Harrison Barnes got hot in the first game, and Iguodala got hot in the second game, right? Yeah, right. well, Barnes too in the second game. That's both right, those they both wings, did. Which, 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 I mean, also speaks to kind of an issue that the Clippers are trying to figure out right now is kind of what to do on with wing defense. But I, I, I and, and then I think the other thing that kind of works in the Clippers' favor is that, you know, Doc Rivers has coached these kinds of teams before. This was, you know, two years ago. This was a team that kind of started off similarly. 
Last year was a team that kind of started off similarly. He's had Celtics teams that have kind of started off this way that, that weren't particularly sprinting out of the gates, that kind of just over the course of the season, they improve. They, they kind of all buy in late, and, and they're more built for the playoffs than they are the regular season. I, obviously, I think you're at a tremendous disadvantage you know, if you if, if you kind of take regular season games for granted because you can find yourself in, you know, like the Clippers were a win away from playing that game seven against Houston at home last year. It, it Does that help their energy? Does that change their energy? I, I don't know. Probably a little bit, I think. You know, is the, the track record in NBA history says it's really hard to win game sevens on the road. Um, so I, I think obviously there's issues with the way that they've kind of tackled the regular season so far. I, I'm still not willing to be like to say that they're not a contender. Um, clearly, that at the moment they look like they're on a different level than I would say the Spurs and the Warriors. But I, I don't know. Are they that far off from where the Thunder's at? Aren't they? They're like a game and a half behind them in the standings. Like despite all of the Clipper kind of sh- early season shenanigans, you know they're, they're 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 right there for that three seed, which is I would I you, you know. You, you, that three, four thing is going to, that if you've designed on winning a title, you would way rather be the three seed than the four seed. Oh, I think that's true. I mean, look, you want to, you want to avoid the, the Warriors, obviously, as long as possible. I mean, they're the best team, probably. Though the Spurs, I think, might even be the best team. I was going to say, and that's your, and that's your reward is that you get the Spurs. Yes, you get the Spurs. But, and you get the Spurs maybe around yeah. sooner than you want to. No, but, but listen, I want to, I want to, I want to bore down on something with you. So, I mean, you mentioned the choke last year in Game Six of the uh, Western Conference Semifinals. They're up 19 in the fourth yeah. quarter and, and completely implode in ridiculous fashion, and then get blown out in Game Seven, and that's that. And I, I do think once they lost Game Six, you knew they were losing Game Seven. They were going back to Houston. They they'd given up the last two games. That you're not coming back from a situation like that. Just it's just the probably way probably not right. Almost certainly not. But. You, yeah. you know, you mentioned those games against the Warriors this year, and look, the the defining trait of this Clippers team, not to be too harsh about it, is that they always come up short in the biggest spots. That's uh, since Chris Paul got there, they've been a very good team that has never quite gotten over the hump. And would you? Uh, and though, why, but let me but just you but really just quickly. wait a second. Let me interrupt I, you really quickly. I know you're going to argue with me, so let me just finish though. Why why okay. have they not been able to get over the hump in any of these kind of major spots like that? And I know you might say the Spurs uh, thing aside, but in the main, why do you think that has happened? Well, yeah, I mean, that's what I would say, right, is that I, I had thought that they kind of slayed that dragon um, by being the Spurs. And, and it, it's funny how narrative works. That was kind of like, you know, for a lot of people, um, you know, that was, that was the conversation, right, after Chris Paul won that series. It's just like, hard. It's oh, hard to say it. that after the way the second series, the the well, exactly. Went. So it was like a step forward, step backwards, type of thing. Are they capable of doing it? Absolutely, they're capable of doing it. What does it always seem like things go wrong, and do they not? Can they not handle those things very well? I think that's certainly a trend, and it's something that that players haven't hid from this year. You know, I mean, I wrote something earlier this year where you know Blake Griffin talked about it, like in the microcosm of just even runs in a game, how they don't, they don't always respond very well to like 11, two runs, how that sometimes they tighten up and stuff like that. You know, and I, I, I mean, if I'm going to play psychologist, you would have to think that collapses against Oklahoma city thunder collapses against the Houston Rockets would play a, fa- would, would be a part of that. But then, I mean, I think you also though, to, to try to understand the full picture, I have to say, 
this was a team that looked like they were ready to, to lose in game six in San Antonio and played excellent against the Spurs to force that game seven, lost their best player, you know, or their second best player in game seven, um, brought him back and, 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 you know, out executed the Spurs in like almost a perfect basketball game. So they're capable. And, and what stands in the way? I, I don't know. That's a really good question. I do think that they're an emotional basketball team. Um, that's evident by the technical fouls. It's a, I, I think sometimes that's very good. Sometimes it's very bad that they haven't harnessed it particularly well. I think they, they run into some other problems where their offense tends to bog down in clutch situations. They don't, they, they kind of get out of, you know, JJ Reddick running around like crazy. Um, you know, they, they, they kind of ball stop a little bit. These are things that they're slowly trying to correct, but you're right in, in these big moments. I, I don't know. Do, I mean, are these the challenges that you face when the guy that you, you know, they don't have that dominant wing that can get to the basket? I, I don't know. I mean, obviously the Warriors don't, but they, they the Warriors are on a different planet than kind of the way they play. I don't know. It's an interesting question. I know it's something that they've talked about and, and they feel. No, I, I'm, I'm sure they have because, you look, I mean, yes, the Spurs series is an aside. However, they immediately gave it back with that Rocket series. And the, look, the fact of the matter is you look over the past few years, and every year they put themselves in position to get to where they want to go, and for some reason it doesn't happen. And most of the time, in mm-hmm. my opinion, the reason it doesn't happen is because they tend to fly off the handle at the first sign of any problem. They're they're constantly complaining. They're they're like you said they're they're leading the league in technical fouls. Doc tried to question that kind of bizarrely the other day um, at his press conference. Um, you know, and I I do wonder if kind of the the way they have gone about um comporting themselves which is basically an us against the world at all times on the court mentality i do kind of wonder if they they get in their own heads with that and start to um and kind of just lose lose grip on what's going on and then when things do start to go bad then they get in their own heads and go oh no here we go you know we're gonna we're gonna blow this again it's it's interesting you know, I'm not obviously not around the Clippers on a daily basis like you. It is interesting to hear a guy like Blake admitting that they get a little tight in those kind of spots when they give up a run because you don't often hear um, you don't often hear players saying that. But um, but along these lines, I, I want to get into the starting lineup and and those the main guys. But I, I first think we should talk about the bench. Um, you hmm. mentioned it last year; they were kind of a six and a half man team most of the season, and and I do think that part of the end of that series was that they did run out of gas. I, I don't think it's fair to say that's the only reason they lost to the Rockets because they still no, should have definitely won the series. But they it, was, did. it was just certainly a contributing factor. Sure, absolutely. and I would totally agree. Um, but, you know, they went out this summer and, you know, they had Josh Smith. They had Lance Stevenson. They had Paul Pierce. Um, you know, they had, they had Pablo Prigioni. Um, they even had a guy like Cole Aldridge who's not a bad third center. Like, they went out and really tried to improve the bench. But... So far, I think it's fair to say that's been a kind of a mixed uh, – there's been a bit of a mixed result from that. I mean, Paul, to me, as somebody who covered Paul a couple of years ago, it seems like Paul is just on cruise control till the playoffs. Um, the Lance mm-hmm. Stevenson experience has been all over the place. Um, I love it, by the way. My favorite experience. The, well, we, we'll get to him in a second. There's obviously been some issues with Josh Smith. Um, so mm-hmm. if you could, can you can you just kind of walk us through – you know, this bench situation, the thing that was supposed to be, um, 
the thing that made them that turned them into the truly elite team this year. Like right now, it doesn't seem like that part of the team is working out the way that we thought. And um, what yeah. what has been happening with that? Well, they flashed, you know, um, and I think when they're when they're playing well, um, it's because there are guys that are, are are kind of staying in their lanes, right? And you've got Austin Rivers, who, despite you know the fact that he's a punchline to a lot of NBA jokes, has been a, a pretty good finisher at the rim this season. A guy who can get to the basket, um, he's quick, and he's played pretty good defense. So when he just does those things, the bench plays well. When Jamal Crawford, you know, is a guy who's still a shot maker, a guy who at the end who can bail out empty possessions because he's a scorer and he's willing to take and miss shots, which I think is a skill, honestly, that, you know, he could go over eight and shoot a big shot the ninth time and not think about any of the other eight. Like, they've got that. They've got a spot up shooter in West Johnson. They've got Paul Pierce, a guy of veteran that they can put in sort of a three four hybrid. They've got Josh Smith when he is operating out of the high block and and, you know, using using the dribble to kind of create offense for himself and his teammates when Lance Stevenson is playing with energy. These things all, it, it looks like a group that's like, whew, and, and you can see it. And they, you know, I would say that there, it feels like there's almost like two or three minutes in every game where they take some, they, they take a lead or they take a deficit and they'll either stretch it to 10 or cut it by 10. Now, the problem is, is that they're just wildly inconsistent because that's a group of pretty inconsistent players. And so there'll also be these two or three really bad minutes where all of that kind of positive work gets undone. And usually what I see when when that happens is that guys start to kind of swerve. They start to drift a little bit. You know, maybe that's more long mid-range jumpers for for Austin and Josh Smith. You know, shots that they want to take because, you know, especially a player like Austin who's trying to, you know, be improving, you know, still a young player in the league. Like that's a part of his game. He wants to showcase. He worked hard on it this summer. Well, it's just not a great shot for them. And, you know, or, or, you know, do they defer sometimes too much to Jamal? I think they do sometimes as a bench, you know, these are the things that I think have held them back as a group. You know, they're not a very good rebounding team. And when you're not a great rebounding, that unit particularly, when you're not a great rebounding unit, you end up playing defense for, you know, 40 seconds at a time. And that affects their offense too. So I, I, I still think that there's a formula there because like, you know, we list these players and there's, I mean, there's talent there. There's no question. There's talent there. It's a, it's about, you know, can they figure out the right recipe? And I still think, I think they're moving in that direction. I really like the way, um, you know, granted this was against the bucks. I really like the way doc rivers used his wings. Um, probably the most I've liked it uh, last well, night. For people that didn't where, see, what did he do? Um, so Luke and Bob Mute started and has been starting, uh, started their last 10 games, and has been kind of a show starter. Um, you know, defensive-minded guy, because with that first unit, they don't need a lot of shooting. They need a guy who's just going to make the right play. And, and Luke is a smart player, a professional, very professional guy, and he makes the right play. I think they went um, to Paul Pierce, I believe, first. Or Wes Johnson. It was like Wes Johnson and Paul Pierce first together. Wes is more of a shooter, um, using Pierce more as kind of like, if we need offense, like let's run some sets for him in the mid-range, get him some comfortable shots. He looked like he had a little more bounce than his step. So, but they kind of limited his minutes, so they were able to 
uh, I'm sorry, not limited as minutes. They were kind of maximized. I, I apologize in the sense that when he played with great energy, he was there. And when that energy first started to slip, then came Lance Stevenson, you know, into the game. And, and Lance was kind of the, the lightning bolt. And they kind of alternated all three of those guys. I'm looking at the minutes right now. Lance played 18 and a half. Um, Pierce played 19 and a half. Johnson played 14. And Bamute played 18 and a half. And none of those guys over 20 minutes. Now, can you win playing four wings less than 20 minutes? I, I, I don't know. Um, it doesn't seem like something a lot of teams have tried <laughs> to do. But, uh, you know, they, they were able to maximize, I think, like when all of those guys did in that game. Yeah, no, that that's true. And, and, you know, here's the thing, though. Like, I, I'm looking at their overall lineup data right now, and basically whoever mm-hmm. you put with those four other starters, Chris Paul, J.J. Redick, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan, it doesn't matter. Um, the numbers are off the charts yeah. for all those guys, like just looking at yeah, it. Yeah, still, like, still one of the best starting lineups in the league, despite DeAndre being a little bit down, despite a pretty, pretty significant slump, it feels like, for Blake from the mid-range right now. And honestly, dirty little secret, Chris Paul not making a, not making the shots that you're accustomed to seeing. Well, Chris Paul, and we're going to get to Chris Paul in a second because I do want to talk about him. I think there's an interesting conversation to be had there. But uh, the first thing I want to ask is, you know, we mentioned all these uh, explosive personalities, right? And DeAndre Jordan is, yes. and Chris Paul and Blake Griffin are all big personalities. And um, you, you look up and down the roster, and I kind of wonder if um, if GM Doc Rivers. Uh, overestimated Coach Doc Rivers' ability to manage temperamental guys. Now, that's always been considered to be Doc's biggest strength, probably, is to manage guys that are a little hard to manage. And I do wonder, I mean, do you think that's a possibility that there might just be too much personality on this team and that that's part of where some of these issues are coming from, especially with these second unit guys who are trying to get, you know, more run and more shots and more points than maybe they thought they were going to get? I think um, that that's certainly a possibility, but I don't know what choice Doc GM Doc had. Um, very limited in his options this summer. It was For basically added a lot. It was basically in your mind, go get what I can get to make this bench as good as possible, and then figure it out from there. We needed, they, yeah, they needed a talent upgrade, right? So you know that's that's why you gamble on a Lance Stevenson. You needed a talent upgrade, so that's why you signed Josh Smith. Um, you needed all of these things. So th- that's kind of how you, you ended up down that, that road with these kind of strong personalities. Like, you know, if they had had more money, you know what I mean? And if they had had more flexibility, um, maybe they, you know, maybe they would have been a little more selective. I would imagine they probably would have been, they have been in the past, you know, the, you, you, you think to, to last year, this was a team that cut bait um, on Jordan Farmar after signing him, you know, to, to biannual because they, you know, part of the reason was they just didn't like his fit with the team. Like, fit and chemistry, super important to Doc Rivers, um, no matter what he says. Like, those things are, are, are hallmarks, kind of, of the way he, he's managed teams over the course of his career. Uh, and, and I think this year, and, and at, at the end of last season, he, he said it. He looked at, they looked at their money, they looked at their situation, and they knew they were going to have to kind of um, take some more risks on that front. And, and, you know, I, I, I haven't seen, like, they've had some issues, certainly, and they've had some blow-ups. Josh has had a blow-up. There's been some kind of on-court disputes, too. We saw one the other day between Josh and Doc. I, honestly, though, the team has managed these things very well because the kind of the flip side of this, and, and one thing that these guys always say when you talk to them about it, 
is that end of the day, um, they know, they know why everyone's there. It's like, you know, with the exceptional Lance, like th- those guys all chose to be there, you know, and, and Josh knew that his role would be limited. He knew he'd be playing behind Blake and Deandre. Um, he knew that his numbers were going to suffer. He came to the Clippers because he thought it was a chance to win. And, and when you kind of have that as sort of your, your cornerstone, um, your base, you know what I mean? You can make, you, you can kind of, you can always kind of rely on that, I guess is, is what I'm saying. It's sort of like the, you know, it's their bedrock. They can always fall back on the fact that no matter how angry or frustrated I am, that you're not understanding the plays we're running, that you're not on the right spot. I, I mean, a great example uh, will be, I'll, I'll tell you about one of my favorite sequences of the year here in a second, but happened yesterday. Um, but when guys, when like, it's, it's still, you know, it's about winning. Um, you're allowed, you kind of let some of that stuff go. And I think that's kind of, they're moving in that direction. That's another reason why I think I'm a little more kind of long-term optimistic about them is like, I do get the sense that they're, they're there to win. No, and I, I think that's fair. And you're right. I mean, other than Lance, who was, who was acquired in a trade for Matt Barnes and Spencer Hawes, um, everybody else signed as a free agent. Everybody did kind of sign on for what they were getting, but it is one thing to sign on uh, and another thing to experience it. And sure. You know, it, 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 and you are talking about a lot of guys there with the exception of Paul Pierce, who, um, you know, I think is is kind of accepted where he's at now. You're talking about a lot of combustible yeah. guys there, and you know, I, I do kind of wonder about the situation there. And I think it's I think it's something that bears watching because you're to your point. The reason people were higher on the Clippers this year was because of that bench, and they it looked like they talent had more upgrade. talent. Right, it looked like they had acquired enough talent on the bench to truly become you know, on the level of these other teams that last year, I think everybody kind of thought they were still a bit below because they were a six and a half man team and their first six might be as good or better than anybody. But after that, there was such a drop off that, you know, it was kind of hard to, um, to see them competing. But that being said, a big part of that six and a half was Chris Paul who played every game last year and was awesome. Uh Maybe his best, you know, one of his best seasons, if not his best season, um, sure. His numbers across the board are down. He's missed a few games. His minutes are down. His shooting is down. Um, his turnovers are up. Um, he's reaching kind of a dangerous age for point guards. He's going to be 31 in May. He's a smaller guy. He's had his, some knee issues in the past. Um, it, is, is it fair to wonder if we're starting to see the beginning of the decline for Chris Paul? And if that's the case... Does that is that a death knell for this team right now, uh, looking forward this year in terms of being the championship kind of contender that you think they can be? Yeah, I mean, I think they need him to be a great player still. And I think he's certainly still capable of it. But, you know, I think it's fair to wonder that, certainly. I mean, he's th- like you said, he's 30. You know, he's played, you know, se- over 700 games. He's played over 25,000 minutes. I mean, these are, you know, almost 26,000 minutes. Um, something he'll hit tomorrow. Hey, you know, the, these aren't nothing numbers. So, you know, you wonder it. I also, though, like, you know, his shooting was down two years ago, too. And when he missed 20 games and he rebounded, like you said, and had the best season of his, one of the best seasons of his, of his life at 29, you know, can that much change right away? I, I still wonder how much of this is just injuries. And, and again, like I've seen kind of, like you, you mentioned it with Pierce, like guys that kind of, you don't want to coast is the wrong word. Cause Chris is uh, so, super competitive and, and wants to win, but like he's different in the playoffs for sure. And I don't know if he's conserving a little bit more. 
Um, the shot making is, pro- is 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 weird. I wonder if I mean here are the let, let's just real quickly uh, just to let everybody know here are the injuries he's had this year. He broke a finger in the preseason. He um, strained a groin. He um, what else? He got poked in the eye and like had blurred vision for a little while. Even though he didn't miss any games with that, he re-injured the groin. Am I missing one? I think he might have had one more or two in there somewhere. The bottom line is through the first um, six weeks, he's the first he's six weeks up. he's had a lot he's of stuff going on. Super right. banged. Yeah, he's been super banged up and not really been in a rhythm. That being said, like the turnover uptick. Um, hasn't gone unnoticed. Like I've noticed, he's averaging, uh, you know, two point eight turnovers a game, two point three last year, and some of them are just weird. And he's playing um, less where minutes he just doesn't too. Look like, you know, where it just doesn't look like he's in rhythm. Um, so I, I don't know. It's it's definitely something that's on my radar and something I'm watching very closely to see because they they obviously they need him to be an All NBA player to be where they need to be. Is it the death nail? I still, I'm still pretty bullish on Blake Griffin as like an elite NBA player. I guess what I meant, um, I guess what I meant, Dan, is is if he does, if he does take even a small step back from where he was last year, given given the level that they have to get to to get out of the West, if he's taken a small step back, and mm-hmm. and again, he's had a lot of injuries. It is December. There's a long way to go. They could be in yeah, perfect shape we don't, in yeah, April. Exactly. But just, it, you know, he is off to a bit of a slower start than usual, which is crazy. The fact that his PER is just under 22, and that's the lowest of his career, is just kind of an indication of how good his career has been, given that he had a 22 PER as a rookie, which is crazy. But... I, yeah. But I do think I do think if if you know if if he does t- if he has taken a little step back because of age and injury, you know I guess what I meant was is does that prevent them from getting to the level you think they can, or can or is Blake or is Blake good enough yeah. that you think he can still even overcome that? It just I think it just depends how big of a step everybody else is going to take. You know what I mean? Like I and and that's maybe a cop out answer, but I mean you know Blake Griffin's twenty six years old right now and coming off of you know, really quietly, just an amazing playoffs run. Oh, and he last, was great last year. I but, mean, but just to be fair, and, and, and when I say like quietly by like quietly by that, I mean it's like you know, game seven. You know, that's 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 Chris Paul's game because of the game winning shot, the dramatic return from the hamstring injury. You know, Blake Griffin had a, tri- a game seven triple double against the San Antonio Spurs. And he was the best player and, in the playoffs then, through the first two se- through the first two rounds, even after they lost. He was unbelievable it, in the playoffs. But what and, I guess so what I meant, can, can he? What I meant is, was that is that good enough? I don't know. Right. I don't know if that's good enough. What I meant, what I meant, you know, I mean, what I meant, Dan, was that when you said how much of a step forward everybody else takes, isn't he the only one that can really take a step forward? Like DeAndre Jordan is what well, he I think, is. I think. Right? Yeah, I think. No, but I think DeAndre, like, there's there's still things that DeAndre can do better. I think he can still be a better defender than he is right now, and I think he can he can be a better free throw shooter at least moderately. Like it doesn't need to be a giant increase, just a modest increase. You know what I mean? It's something that I think you would think would be coming at some point. Well, I mean, are we sure um, about know, that? I mean, right now he's at thirty nine percent. No, we're I mean, not sure. I mean, do we think yeah, he can yeah, actually we're, get we're to? Absolutely not. Can he? Can he get to fifty? Uh, probably not this year. Right. It I mean, seem I like it's, yeah. I just I don't I don't know. Like, and that's not a knock weird. on DeAndre. He's really when good. You watch him. Yeah, when you watch him, Tim, like honestly, and it's like. His free throw shooting, it, it, it's weird to say this, it, and, and maybe this is, you know, exposing just like kind of like when you're close to something. It hasn't felt like it's cost them yet. Really, that I 
I can think of like this year where they, where his free throw shooting is like really cost them a game. Um, you know, certainly the intentional fouling in him, like it can just destroy rhythm and stuff like that. I mean, I think that's something there and it's always in the back of their minds, but you know, to me, he's a guy I that Lance Stevenson is young enough that if they can figure that out, um, there's room for growth there. I think there's room for growth with Austin rivers or how much, what his ceiling is, I think is still a little unknown. Um, and then I think there's room for growth, honestly, with a guy like Wes Johnson, who has never been on a good team. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I guess, I guess, and this is, I guess, those those are the guys to me that can take like, take like little steps. Now, are those big enough steps to negate, you know, um, a decline in Chris Paul? I, I don't know. You know, like that's a really big question for them. And I think it's something it's going to happen at some point in time. People have always felt, and I think I've always felt this way too, that Chris is like his game would age pretty well because it's not really based a ton on athleticism. Like there's definitely quickness, but a lot of it's handle and smarts. I mean, like he is like, so, I mean, you watch him. It's just like, there aren't a ton of players you watch them and you're like, oh my god, that guy's so smart, and he's one of them, and sometimes too smart for his own good. But you know, it's a really good question, Tim, and I think it's something that they're they're if they're not thinking about it, they probably you know should, but there's not really a lot they can do about it either. And I guess that I guess that back and forth is really why I can't, at least right now, put them on the level of those other three teams because. Sure. Because the the things the things that they need to go right to get to that level are guys like Wes Johnson and Austin Rivers and Lance Stevenson taking step forward steps forward. Now, is it possible? Yes, I think it is possible. Lance has shown in the past he can be a huge weapon for. Oh, teams. and Blake Griffin, and add Blake Griffin. To no, those yeah, I agree with Blake. I just meant in the I meant in the vacuum of if Chris has taken a small sure. step back, like. That I and even and even even if he hasn't, like look, I like I said before, Blake was the best player in the playoffs through the first two rounds. He was unbelievable, and in that Spurs series, he was just ridiculous, just ridiculous all around. Yeah. And the presence of Chris Paul, I think, has led to him being a little bit underrated, even though he plays in Los Angeles and is on TV all the time. Because um, I I think mm. people just kind of assume that Chris Paul is the best player on that team. And I agree with you that because you kind of said it earlier that obviously is no longer the case. He is the guy on that team, and not, I mean I I think he's a terrific player, and you know he maybe he will be good enough to you know lift them you know two places that people aren't sure they can go. But it's uh it, it just seems like it's a lot to put on him um to to have to try to carry this whole group when they still you know for and you're right they didn't have a lot of options this summer in terms of other places to go they had to just kind of hoard yeah. the talent they could get but it still just feels like in year this is year four with this core right of those three, uh, of, of year five of Blake DeAndre and Chris it just it feels like for whatever reason they've just never gotten the pieces around them right for whatever whether it's just because they didn't have the money sure. or opportunities have gone by or you know they they got they signed guys that seemed like they made sense and didn't work out, and you know I I just I just start to wonder if you know this group is kind of maxed out to what it is. Well, yeah, I mean I think that's I mean, that's a super reasonable question, and I think it's something that I mean I've wondered. I think it's something that Doc Rivers has probably wondered. You know, is is this core 
Um, and, and again, what makes it super tricky is the the youth of Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, and especially Blake, because he's still a guy that I mean, I we just I don't really feel super co- comfortable talking about this. Like I don't know what his ceiling is. Like I see him as a guy right now who's you know confidently hitting. You know, although like I said, a little bit of a shooting stuff lately, but confidently taking and hitting like twenty one foot jump shots. Um, what happens when he just when someone and Paul Pierce has said this, like when someone just like drills in his head like, Hey dude, take a step backwards. It's worth an extra point. Yeah. You, you, no, you know, I mean, I, mean we, we, I, I like I like I think that that day I still feel like that day is coming. We, I was gonna say and, you and I have talked about that for I think three years now that the day that, that yeah. Blake Griffin's going to shoot threes. And I, I am starting to wonder if he is just Kevin Garnett, who's going to spend his whole career taking 22-footers. Yeah, and, and I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a super – like, you see him, like, sometimes, like, like they've ran – like, they've run some plays for him occasionally where he ends up in the corner. And, like, he'll shoot it, and he's very tough, and he works on it before every pregame. And, it like, it doesn't look – he doesn't look like a big guy shooting threes. But you're right. Like, I mean, the attempts aren't there. I thought there'd be an uptick this year. There, that really hasn't. People I talked to, I think, expected that uptick. So, um, I, you know, it, it's they're just a really interesting team. You're right because it's it's sort of like even being around them, you, you just don't feel like you really have a grasp of exactly what they are, and that that's scary. You know, in the sense that you don't know what their future is. They they're a very boomer bust team in that sense, and. You know, could things go right? Could they figure this all out? I think they've got the talent too. Absolutely, I think they've got the talent too. Do they have the volatile personalities and, and you know, kind of um, guys with like pretty low floors too? That where if it doesn't work out and things go bad, that they just can't help them. I think they've got those guys too. So they're they're in a really unique spot. And the weird thing is too, they don't have a lot of pieces to really move in trades, right? Like they've either got guys that are max contract guys. Or they've got guys making no money. Now, the one obvious exception to that is Lance Stevenson, who's on technically, you know, basically an expiring deal because next year's a team option. So, and, and Jamal Jamal Crawford is also an expiring. Right, Jamal's on um, what about five? Right. Yeah, so they can get to like fourteen um, without without like breaking into their starting lineup. You know, after that, it gets a little tricky. I mean. I guess you could, you know, you could talk about trading JJ Redick, but he seems to be pretty important to what they do. Yeah, that, um, would, that would really screw things up. He has been terrific again. Like he's, yeah, he's I mean, just, I, been, I mean, just, he's gotten better since he got to LA, and he was a good player before that. He's just been used very well. So, I, you know, I, I don't know where that move is. To be honest, it's something I've been thinking lately. Is kind of like what is the move that they can put together to 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 kind of get from, you know from where they are to if they need like that extra piece, like are they equipped to go get it? Are they equipped to go make a, you know, I mean, it didn't work for Memphis, but a Jeff green type acquisition, um, you know, it, it doesn't seem like they are. Do you think, they, do you the think they need one though? I, I, I see. And that's the other thing is like, I don't even know that, that that's necessarily like what they need. I mean, it, again, it's, it's, for me right now, it's still more about fit than it is about talent. Like I think talent, they're talented enough. I mean, they, they, they could use, I think, um, a clearer picture sometimes of like what to do with the talent they have is adding more talent. going to just, you know, stop that. Is it going to stunt it? It depends. I just think it would have to be the right guy in the right fit. And the problem is they don't really have the assets to acquire probably the perfect fit. No. And that's true. That, and that is kind of, like you said, I mean, they're kind of the ultimate, 
uh, boomer bust team, you know, they because they they are in a weird spot because they're going to be really good. They're probably going to win fifty five games or so. They're you know I would think they're probably the heavy favorites to finish fourth in the West. And at mm-hmm. that point, you've had a great season. You could argue you're the fifth best team in the NBA, and you could also argue that they are just as far away from being where they want to be without a real way to get to that next level. And that gets me to my final question, which I know is kind of a a faraway thing, but they are in kind of this weird existential place because the regular season doesn't matter. And it's it's all about the playoffs and it's all about what happens in May and June. Um, You know, Chris Paul's never been to a conference finals. Um, You know, Blake obviously hasn't. And, you know, they, they, this group feel, and I think even Doc Rivers has been on the record before the season saying, if this doesn't work this year, you know, we might have to make some big changes. So I guess, I guess my final question for you is, although it is December, looking forward, if this group doesn't get to the level you think they can and they do top out as a team that, you know, loses in the second round to Golden State or Oklahoma City or San Antonio or some, you know, maybe they even lose in the first round to somebody, you know, Dallas or Memphis or whatever, if they get upset in the first round. Do you see real changes coming with this group? Like, do you feel like this is kind of the last ride unless they prove they get another one? Or or, or do you think that this could still, you know, this core could still run it back for another year or two without changes and they could just kind of keep going along? Ultimately, I think it'll be another year. Um, and, and the reason why it is just kind of this franchise's unique history. And, and it, it'll be very, I, I would imagine, if I'm if I'm in Doc Rivers' chair, and I know what I know about the Clippers, and if I'm Steve Ballmer and I've invested two million dollars in this team, it'd be very hard for me to to say goodbye to to Blake Griffin, Chris Ball, or DeAndre Jordan, guys that have been so important to you know these repeated trips to the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like to you know you almost you don't want to operate this way, and they don't operate this way. I want to be 100 percent clear on that. But at a certain point, like you said, being the fifth best team in the NBA every year is that good enough to give yourself a chance so that everything kind of comes together, you know, like the way it, it, it did for Dallas, you, you know, years ago. Like, if you just put yourself in the conversation, um, is that good enough? Th- that's the interesting question, and, and that's where I, I don't think I, I really know um, the answer to it. I, I would imagine that they'd probably just run it back. But, you know, that's, it's an intriguing option, and it's one that they have to seriously consider. All right, Dan. Well, it's time for us to go get something to eat. So, um, so I'll see you in a few minutes, which will be great. Um, uh, you obviously your work is at the Orange County Register, but what would you like to plug and where can people follow you on Twitter? Um, follow me on Twitter, Dan Wicky Sports. And if you get a chance, if you haven't read it yet, I wrote something about Doc Rivers and his mother uh, last week that I was particularly proud of. Um, so I would say look for that. And uh, I don't know. I mean, pregame periscopes, Tim. Um, this is me inviting you for tomorrow. You'll be on it. I'll be there. I hope. I'll be there. And, uh, yeah, those guys, all, all sorts of fun stuff. Um, I'll be on the pregame show on Saturday. So I feel like a, like a road comic. Like I've got all these different plugs. Well, Dan, Dan's story on Doc Rivers and his mom was really great. You should definitely go check it out. Um, and, his, and his periscopes are a really cool idea. So follow him on Twitter for those. Um, you can find my work at the Washington Post. You can follow me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps. Um, you can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes if you search Posting Up. Um, I think I had a really interesting podcast on Wednesday with Kevin Arnovitz, a friend of both mine and Dan's from ESPN.com, talking mm-hmm. about the 
Rajon Rondo situation, which uh, you know he offered some really unique insight on. I thought was very good. So please give that a listen. Um, also, I should I have to mention that the the theme music for this podcast is done by Glenn Yoder, uh, the sports digital editor at the Washington Post. Uh, he has a uh, one of my editors has his own band. Dan is very talented musician, and so he does the uh, <laughs> the intro music for. He did the one of his songs is uh, the music for the podcast, which is cool. Uh, you can find his music at glennyodermusic.com. Um, but, Dan, thanks for the time. I'm looking forward to seeing you in a few minutes. And uh, for everybody else, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.